0: Welcome to the South Metro Ministries Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. I want to speak to you this morning in the second of a series of lessons on life is like a box of chocolates. Life is like a box of chocolates. And the only reason I bought these this week, I had some last week and I wasn't going to buy one every week for the series because it's too expensive. But I had it marked down 75% off. <laughs> Valentine's Day was over. And so I bought some. Forrest Gump says, life is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. Ain't you hungry? Uh, Leave it up there. Marriage is like... <laughs> Oh, Pastor Trey already said it's going to be the greatest day. Sometimes, and I say that out of experience, not for for what I got something bad. Valerie never knew what she's going to hit. See, I I had hair one day. Be quiet, Calvin Smith. I was. I was never tall, but I've always been dark. And when I had hair, I might have had the other feature. All dark, and handsome. I just had the other two when we married. The handsome part. The other part, I grew out of. But marriages can be like a box of chocolates. Some you want to eat, and some you don't want to. Just look good on the outside. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know you'll stand in just a moment, but I can't resist telling you this little funny, uh, little curious story about The the airplane had just taken off and all the passengers were seated comfortably on the airplane. And up in the first class section sat a well-dressed woman who was wearing an exquisite, beautiful diamond necklace. The gentleman who was seated beside her could not help but notice the beautiful gem. He leaned over and said to her, excuse me, but my name is Mr. Johnson and I couldn't help but notice that beautiful necklace. He continues by saying, that is the most exquisite stone I have ever seen in my life. She responded by saying, well, thank you, Mr. Johnson. My name is Mrs. Clotman, Mrs. Clotman, And of course, she continued, this is the Klotman diamond. And he said, I don't believe I've heard of that Clotman diamond. Well, she said, this diamond is a lot like the Hope diamond. It's not as large, but it is cut equally. It is a beautiful diamond. And she continued her remarks by saying, Just like the Hope Diamond, this diamond, the Klotman Diamond, comes with a curse to the person wearing it. That's amazing, Mr. Johnson said. And I hope I'm not being too personal, but could you possibly tell me what that curse is? And without batting an eye, she replied, Mr. Plotman is the curse. You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Put on the screen the text for today. And we'll read it together. You follow me as I read it. It'll be in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. I have the New King James I'll read to you first, and then I'll read from the New Living Translation, which is one of my favorites of translations. Genesis 2 and 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam says, Wow. I ain't never seen nothing like that. No, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. One more verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Let me give you the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man's ribs and closed up one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last! That's what I would have said. All these elephants and tigers and lions and bears and dinosaurs. And... At last! Whoop! hang uh, out. The man exclaimed, "This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. she shall be called woman because she was taken from man." Continue, please. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed, felt no shame. Today's lesson is entitled: "Why do Marriages fail? Point your hands in my direction. I need his help. I'm not an expert. Pray for me, would you? Could you offer a prayer? And when you do, it does help me. And so, Father, I thank you for the divine unction of the Holy Ghost. God, the church is the institution you founded. And the marriage is the institution you founded before you started the church. You created man and woman before you started the church. And I pray for healing today. Can I get an Amen. I pray, O oh God, for those who are already happily married, to, like some of the fairy tales and and they live happily ever after. I pray for those who are anticipating marriage, Lord, because this message is for those who are married, for people who want to be married, and Lord, in a lighter side, for people who are sorry they're married. For almost everybody, I give you the glory for what will come, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? You may be seated. For time's sake, I'm going to get right to the heart of what I want to talk about. And to tell you that in reality, every marriage faces conflict, misunderstanding, smashed fantasies, and bruised egos. Every marriage. Hear me when I tell you that any real marriage held up against the yardstick of total joy will measure short. And if relationships that are meant to give total joy fail lives are shattered. There are many marriages today that are dead or dying. Marriages today where love is as dead as a corpse. Marriages where yesterday's hopes and dreams have been assassinated by hateful words. Marriages that are Bound in grave clothes of bitter memories. Today there are marriages that have been scarred by adultery, by pornography, or outright neglect or abuse. Marriages where all meaningful communications or communications is a dull memory. I'm going to give you top, the top ten reasons For Divorce in America, that I asked my wife to research for me last evening, is taken from MBNC, Mason Black and Caber, Spanish people, help me out with that. Exactly, you're right, I was just testing you. (laughs) Marital and law firm. Top ten reasons, we start with number ten. Boredom. When things get dull and uninteresting. Some people just get bored with each other. Number nine, careers. Sometimes, sometimes work can get in the way of a marriage and this could lead to divorce. For example, he works all night, she works all day, the couple never gets to see one another, so they end up in divorce. Number eight, not being able to have children. Some people really want children of their own and when they find out that their partner is not able to have children, it may result in divorce. Reason number seven of the top ten reasons why marriages, why divorce takes place in America is a loss of interest. Sometimes people just grow apart. I spoke about it last week, distance. They do not realize that they can find each other again. Instead, they go and they get a divorce. Reason number six is abuse. When you're being abused in a marriage, whether it's physical, emotional, you need to seek help. Abuse is number six of ten reasons why there's divorce. And, and look at me again. I'm going to say this one more time like I said last Sunday. Ma'am, if you're suffering physical abuse, you are not obliged to stay in that marriage. I'm not telling you go and get divorced right away. I'm telling you go find help. Go find safety. <laughs> oh, I feel a spirit of SOS coming on me. I'm five feet, six inches tall, about 141 pounds, but you let my son-in-laws even touch one of my daughters the wrong way, and I'm going to open my jacket and put on my Iron Man outfit, and I'm not going to slap him in tomorrow, I'm going to slap him into like the year 2079. Your hair, Edward and JC, I love you, man. You are not. I don't care if you're going to a church that tells you you got to stay in that. <laughs> Greek word is coming to me. It's not really a Greek word, but this is all over the internet. See, and I got to be careful what I say. But I really don't give a flying flip. Anyhow, number number five: a lack of communication. Uh, that would mean. That you sit on one end of the couch and he sits on the other end and neither the twain shall meet. Every marriage needs to have communication. When communication is lacking, you are in a danger zone of divorce. Lack of communication is number five on the list of ten reasons for divorce in America. Number four, addictions. Being addicted is harmful to you and it's harmful to your marriage. Then number three is social networks. I got, I got more to say about that in a little bit. You got to face it, church. We are not going to name any names here, but those social networks open up the doors to past flames. And when those doors are open, the communication and memories start to reopen. And next thing you know, your Facebook, and then your telephone call, and then your text and then you meet for lunch, and then you commit adultery. Thank you. I got some help today. And if I don't, and this gets too a little bitter for me, I'll just have me some chocolate. <laughs> Reason number two, please, is cheating. Of the top ten reasons for divorce, number two is cheating is a major role of divorce in America. Isn't, isn't, and it isn't just the men who are cheating on their wives. I have been pastoring for 29 years. I grew up in a pastor's home all my life. I served under other pastors for a ministry. And I have seen the shift where equally amount of women have committed adultery and fornication and caused divorce, as has men. And let me tell you this. There's healing for cheating, but trust is gone for a long time. It's got to be earned. You can buy her a box of chocolates and buy her Callaway Gardens. Take her on a cruise and wine and diner. But if you cheated on her or he cheated or you cheated on him, you got to start from ground zero, earning trust. And you know what cheating is? It's pornography. Jesus said if you look as much as look on another woman to lust after her or another man, I'm just the preacher. You're probably not going to grow a megachurch, are you, Pastor? God never called me to grow a megachurch. He just called me to preach the truth. Because the truth shall set us free. And if a megachurch comes from it, then so be it. I'm your shepherd. Look, look at me. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I'm to keep the wolves from coming in here dressed up like sheep. I've had people sit in my office when I knew of the evidence that they committed fornication and adultery sit wrapped right in the chair and lie to me when I said, have you been faithful? Have you cheated? Not because I'm the Pope or I'm the great pontiff and you got to tell me all your business. But God is an all-seeing God. And it may not catch up with you now. But it's coming. Whatever is done in secret will be revealed on the housetop. You ask David, the king, about that. And then number one, reason number one, money problems. In this day and age, money problems are a big issue. And it's sad to see divorces that are caused by money problems because much of it can be helped. And so I move to tell you the the reasons. Let Let me talk to you about... Other reasons why marriage die. Let me be a little more specific. Number one is we struggle with communication. Put it on the screen, please. It is impossible to have a good marriage without good communication. Can I get an amen? Amen. We live in a day when many couples struggle in this area. I, I, I have come to understand that we... It's amazing to me that we have developed communication systems in technology in America, that we could talk to men and women who have been on the face of the moon. We've developed cell phone and email and text and Twitter and Instagram. And we've developed all these systems, Facebook, and like one preacher says, it's two-facebook. All of these popular means of correspondence and communication, and yet we can't even talk to our family members or our husband or our wife or our children. Problems in marriage are not dangerous by themselves. Just because you say they're dangerous, it's it's dangerous when you don't talk about them. They're deadly. Uh, Write this down. You will not get all that I have to say on the screen. Communication to a marriage is what blood is to your body. You can't live without blood flowing in your veins. And your marriage will not survive if you're not willing to talk. And somewhere, somehow in the midst of the conflict, you've got to put a time out and say, you know what? I'm not ready to talk just yet, but let's set another time. Uh, my wife, she's going to take care of women's ministry. If I want her to know this, I'll tell her. But when we're traveling and she got me trapped in the car, and I'm to be traveling a little bit this week to a preacher's conference in North Georgia. And I said, why can't you talk to me now? Last night I said, do it. She says, because you're going to be on your phone and you're going to be multitasking. She knows me like I, I know the, she, more than I know the back of my hand. 35 years, the girl knows me. And you know what else I know when she talks? I better not talk back. <laughs> Why do you think I'm so short? Bam, 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 bam. I've talked out of turn. Many marriages die today because not only do we struggle with communication, we struggle with control. Oh, help the preaching, Jesus. One or the other cannot control their spending habits or their communication and financial difficulty or they want to manipulate, they control and dominate. And it creates multiple problems. A rich wife was yelling at her husband and said, If it weren't for my money, that Rolex on your arm wouldn't be there, she said. If it weren't for my money, she said, that leather recliner you're sitting on wouldn't be there. And if it weren't for my money, she said, that Mercedes in the garage wouldn't be there. And finally, the husband looked at his wife and said, If it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) Marrying for money is the hardest way to find happiness. Now don't go be using this on your wife because I don't have time to counsel you. This is counseling. But many times spouses, and in this day and time where women, thank God and praise God, have the capacity to make equal pay and even more pay than some men. It can be used as a controlling factor. And so money management is key in your marriage because it is the number one cause of difficulty in marriage. You've got to learn how to live on a budget, brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen here? If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Oh, they got a big screen. they got a nice car they got designer clothes. Wait until your time. Dave Ramsey says if you live like nobody else now and eat rice and beans and beans and rice, you can live like nobody else later. That's what we are in this class. Okay? And, and what I'm telling you is not something I'm telling you because I think it's cute. I, that's what I practice. Let, let me just help you out here, okay? If you're coming to me for counseling, please understand that I'm going to give you the Barney Fife version. Nip it, nip it, nip it. So don't come to me for counseling unless you're willing to talk it out and put it on the table because I got 1,419 members and I love them all and I want to visit them when I can, pray for them when I can, call them, but if you're not coming to be honest and truthful, then you're wasting both your time and mine. And I'm not advertising counseling. I, I don't have the time. I intervene at the first time, and then I reference. I don't have the time to do it and do the marriages and the funerals and take care of the administrative parts of the church and and visit the hospitals and attend the conferences and and train and lead the staff. But I operate on a budget. I remember when we had, uh, our children were little girls and we couldn't go to Walmart every week because the money wasn't there. We couldn't even fill up the car with gas when when gasoline was a dollar thirty five a gallon. But we learned we couldn't have the TV right now, so that everything we charge on our credit cards is paid off at the end of the month. Well, why do you even have a card? Because I get the points, and I'm fly and hotel, and hotel. Yeah. I was born at night. They say, but it wasn't. Yeah. But if the card in your pocket is paralyzing your marriage, take some scissors. i got a shredder in my office. Bring it by, honey. We'll have a shredding party. I just feel like something. Okay. Uh, Then then we struggle with marriages because we struggle with care. C-A-R-E. About caring for one another. See, marriages die from a lack of desire and passion and fire and romance. The things you did to catch your spouse that you stopped doing, you might want to go back and start over again. I ain't giving you all none of these chocolates because I'm going to give them to Valerie. But she... I don't care a whole lot about chocolate. She just wants the charge card. So I'll just put these chocolates in there. Care. I love you. Text them. I love you. I'm thinking about you. You don't have to buy a dozen roses to say you love them. Just buy one. Uh, I said this last week, but I'll say it again. married people. I'm talking now. Because if you're living with somebody out of marriage, and you're all uh, being intimate and living together, that's not God's will for you. You need to to separate if you're in the same house, and stay in separate places if you have that commitment and can't go any place else, and say, until we get married, we're going to, now that we know it, we're going to make it right. Can I get an Amen. And if you can't resist the temptation, then go live with your mama for until you get married, right. or your daddy. Y'all, yeah. I'm right, just, just helping you. Care. But if you're in a situation now, I won't trust that when I preach this to you, the Holy Ghost will help you. You're preaching good, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Care. I don't know what I would have done last February. March, April, and May, when I went through what I did with depression, anxiety, panic, sickness, lost 27 pounds in three months, didn't want to eat, could not sleep more than four hours a night, and I still struggle with sleeplessness, but I'm beating it. So I get up at 5.30, I got up at 4.30 this morning. The earlier I go to bed, the earlier I get up. I went to bed about 10.45 last night. And so I got this thing going on with God. When I get up and sit on the couch, I say, Okay, God, it's time for me to pray. Now, if you want me to sleep, then let me sleep, and then wake me up, and I'll continue my prayer. And he did. Amen. So what I'm saying, I went through a lot of stuff that you folks don't have a clue about. It's that Valerie knows. And she stood right there with me. I don't know how they sing a song, but stand by your man. Uh, I've got to watch what I say. But when Jim Baker got in trouble, Tammy Faye left her man. Okay, I'll understand. I, I like this, I like this. A man who was very sick, he... he uh, he went with his wife to the doctor to be examined, and the doctor examined him and told the man to get dressed. After examining him, the doctor took the man's wife to another room, and he said, "If you don't do the following things, your husband will die." And I told this last year; and you might remember it. Uh, you don't do your husband's very sick. If you don't, ma'am, if you don't do the following things for your husband, like number one, cook three sumptuous meals a day, meet his every whim. Number two, number three, be intimate with him as often as he likes. If you don't do those things, your husband will die. The couple left the office on the way home. The man asked what the doctor had said and she replied. He said, you're going to die. you going to die. That's standing by your man. Because <laughs> if I did that, I'm going to die before you is what she said. Number four. If I were you and just came for the jokes, I'd come anyhow. We struggle with commitment. Can I get an amen? amen. We live in a throwaway society, church. We live in a disposable society. And, and the Bible tells us this business about commitment when we read in our text. For this reason a man shall leave his mother, mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. And Jesus said, whatever God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So if you're not ready at the altar to make a lifelong commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others until death separate us, don't come to the altar. Don't get married. Turn on the floor lights. I'm going to come right there amongst you. The The, the second. Slide, put it up for me. The recognition that we are different. Put the first point on. Put me some lights up here. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? Our brains are different. Men think differently than women. And women differently. I can go to a wedding and officiate at the wedding. Rocky, good to see you, man. Uh officiate the wedding. The group the bride is there, the groom is there, the, the attendants are there, the ladies and their dresses, the guys in their... and their I've done so many weddings and, and in different places that my wife's always not there with me. And so she would come back and say, Well 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 what did the groom wear? What did the bride wear? What was the color of the dresses and what was the color of the shoes and what flowers? I'm like, what are you talking about? The man was there, the woman was there. They said, we do, I did, and we left. The wives, they think differently. The guys think, I'll buy some chocolates and flowers and we're going to have a good night tonight. And she's thinking i wash the clothes and fold the clothes and feed the baby and clean the baby and vacuum the floors and clean the toilets and handle all the finances and cook the breakfast and cook the lunch and cook the dinner. And here you are walking here with some chocolates and roses. Man, I'll slap you. <laughs> you speak like a man of experience, Pastor. I'm not giving any names. The number, number, next point, the next point. Our beliefs are different. You see, uh, men think uh, in in terms of of right now, immediate. They don't always think in terms of long term. What women women are not asking, sir, is that you make the most money and make her the next heiress to some great empire financially. She's simply asking, please provide just a roof over our heads, some groceries, a car to drive, take care of the kids and love on us. And we'll grow into being better together. Uh, men, men are thinking that, well, she should appreciate that I'm working two or three jobs. And she does, but she can't be a daddy to the, your son like the man is supposed to be. Can I, can I get some witness here? Okay. Dads, if you've got sons, they need to be raised also in partnership with your wife, their mother. There's got to be some man presence there. I, I, I'm going to say this part here. Lickland and, and Kimberly were visiting with us on Sunday last in the evening. And then they stayed till J.C. Hugh came in on Tuesday. And preached at a church locally, a meeting on Wednesday. And so Lakeland is four years old, and Papa just loves him and takes care of him. But on two or three occasions of being there, he was very uh, ill mannered towards his mother. And she had to put him in time out. And I kept talking to him. I said, I said, Lake, honey, when your mother, which is my daughter, was a child, she didn't give Papa that problem. He understood a little bit, but one night going to bed, he was tired and whatever, and he just pushed her off. Like she came to college, he just pushed her and go away kind of thing, he said. And I was there, and Valerie, and I I said, Lake, with the permission of your mother, Papa is going to spank you. Just because your daddy is not here doesn't mean you can treat your mother like this. I didn't have to spank him. What I had to do was shock him and let him know that Papa is not just about toys and making you happy and hugging you while your daddy's not here. And I told his mother, I I wouldn't spank him to beat the boy and abuse him, but I'll get his attention. What's the next thought? Our bodies well, okay. How much time we got, y'all? Let me see if I can be a specific, but I'll be generic, but also be a little bit of, sir? There are certain times of the month that God has created for a woman to, uh... yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there, later on in life, this thing called menopause. There's something else called PMS. And it's not this place up here that says parcels, messages, and mailing, and okay. Just God created them that way. Their bodies are different. Their chemistry is different. Their functionality is different. <laughs> I think I hear some married men say, preach it, Jesus, preach it. Jesus, not the pastor. Here's some women saying, Tell her. There are some times, when, when I first got married, there were certain times when Valerie would just cried. Cry! Just sit there and cry. And I'm thinking, you got the greatest thing going for you in the world, are right? you? And you cry. What are you crying? Oh, I don't know. I just. You know, we married and we been waiting for this. And so I just found out I just get right there and get some Kleenex. And sometimes I'll cry and say, What are we crying about? <laughs> Give me the next point before I dig a deeper hole and I can get out of Here are the requirements for success. I've told you the problem, let me tell you, there must be real communication. Give me a witness, somebody. Communication is not yelling to your husband or your wife, ma'am, sir, give me an amen." amen. Communication is not you winning an argument. You can win the argument, but you can lose your marriage. There's a difference between being right and being reconciled. You should write that down. You don't always have to be right, but you always have to be reconciled. Get the pastor, get a counselor, get a Christian lady, a Christian man, get a, an adult mentor, a, a lady in the church who's has some journey and experience, or a, a senior, uh, a mother of the church, or an elder in the church. Get in there and say, Look, we need a little help with communication. Matthew twelve thirty four says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So our words either justify us or condemn us. Come on and say amen. amen. This is what the Bible says. Come to the music if you will please sir. The Bible says we will answer for every idle word we say to everybody, especially our mates. We need to be very careful about what we say in our marriages. I'm going to tell you something else too. Getting on Facebook and talking about your spouse and the problems you're having. is contributing to divorce in America. Go home and talk to your mama or go home and talk to your your daddy or somebody else. or Your co-worker is not God's will. You talk to one another. You speak to one another. You make an appointment. And if it gets a little bit uh, uh, heated, then you take a little time out. The Bible says be swift to hear and slow to speak. I'm preaching to you. Real communication. Real communication means eye contact. It does not... I used to try to to say to my wife when she was wanting to say something important to me and I was looking at TV had a newspaper in my hand and a remote here. She said, you're not even listening. I said, yeah, but I am am multitasking. And after I got multi-slapping, I learned how to turn the TV off. Next point, please. There must be the release of control. I don't care how much money you brought in this marriage. Two shall be one. And only by your consent do you have different check-in accounts. But let each other know what you got. I'm preaching. I'm talking about saving marriages. It's about trust. Trust. I know my wife has a checking account. We agreed together. She'd have her own checking account. My name is on there, but I'll make the deposits and balance the statements. And I, out of our agreement... When she gets paid now that she is retired, everything is together. But even now that she's retired, she still gets a certain amount of money a month because she got paid monthly like she was working because she earned it. I just deposited in her account. And I, I must, you don't have to go that way, but I, I, I don't desire to control Valerie. I desire to live the rest of my life with her. The grandkids came in. And I love the grandkids. Fallon came in, and her mother, and, and Kimberly, and J.C., and Lakeland, and they stayed at uh, Kimberly in about four nights. But then they left. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> B, uh, uh, B, lesson C, C. Give me something else. I'm... I'm I mean, Come on, praise team. Come on, come on. Come on, musicians. There must be reasonable care. I said there must be reasonable care. Simple touch. Simple peck on the cheek. Little embrace. Some of us have done so many people wrong that they won't... I don't mean it's ugly, but you won't even have one person to be your pallbearer at your funeral. We're going to have to hire somebody out because you've done so many people wrong. One guy's getting older. He says, I'm not going to have anybody at my funeral for pallbearers because all my pallbearers are dying before me. Reasonable care. But Jesus, the word of God says, a man should love his wife as Christ loves the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave Himself for it. I I, I know I'm... Well, no, I'm not running out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not going to be on the screen. Hurry over there with me because I didn't plan it, but the Holy Ghost just brought it to my mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Find it in your Bible. Please always bring your Bible to church. It's a testimony. Please always bring your Bible under your arm and testify that I'm not a, you know, it's not a burden. If you have it on your cell phone or your iPhone, just bring it up. But bring your Bible because it ain't going to always be on the screen. Write in your Bible. The Bible says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I have not love, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling thing. Look at verse number uh, 2, 1 Corinthians 13. And although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not love, it profits me nothing. What is love? He tells us love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked or thinks evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Tap your hand, somebody. Love never fails. Look at this. Verse 13. And now at faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. God says, I don't care what your car you have, the language you speak, if you're bilingual. I don't care the suits you wear, the clothes you wear, the house you live in, the subdivision you... I don't care if you speak in tongues and run the aisles and dance. If you don't have love... And by the way, don't come here in this church trying to run the aisles speak in tongues and dance if you're living like hell. I'm like the pastor years ago who went to visit one of his members and took his associate pastor with him and visit her unexpectedly. And he knocked at the door and she didn't realize that he was coming, and she had a wad, a wad in her mouth there, that tobacco. Tuna Will tunabacker send you to hell? No, it probably rot your face, but it won't send you to heaven. But now, if you're going to serve in leadership in this church, and you're going to be in ministry, there's some things that are permissible, but not for you and me. Paul says, all things are permissible, but some things I stay from because i got to catch the money. And so they visited, and she hid the little can from the side, and they talked a little bit, and went on back to church on Sunday, and the woman came to church and, and the, the, the preacher was there and, and service got to going and the music got to going and the dancing got to going and folks got in the aisle and they were whoop glorying and he got right in the middle of it because he saw her doing dancing and whoop glorying and all that stuff and he says, everybody in this church can dance and whoop glory and have a wonderful time except those who chew tobacco. <laughs> and she just turned right back and went back to her seat and sat down. I'm not saying chewing tobacco, smoking. Having an alcoholic beverage is going to send you to hell. I'm just telling you, if it imposes on love and your testimony, get rid of it. Is there one more thought there? Or do I need to make up one? You must be radical about your commitment. Stand to your feet. You must be radical about your commitment. I already told you this, but I'm gonna tell you again. The other day, because not all of you are here every Sunday. Uh, the other day, some somebody calling in from another place, one of these solicitation on the phone. But being a pastor, sometimes I answer because most of the times I will let, if I let it do like you do. I'll let it leave a message, and if it's a real if somebody really wants to talk to you, they will leave a message. So, this guy sounds like he's from India. And I'm an Indian. And he wants to talk to Wallery, Wallery, Not Valerie. Wallery. And he says, is Miss Wallery Matura there? I would like to speak to her. I said, uh, and who's calling? This is the IRS. And Miss Wallery Matura needs to call us within 24 hours. I said, hold on just a minute. What is this about? And I can convey it. Well, she needs to talk to us or she'll be in serious trouble if she doesn't. I said to him, and you, sir, can take a flying flip. That's what I told him. And he called back another time. And I said, didn't I tell you to take a hike? And he hasn't called back since. Because I'm radical about Wallery. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Sing. Oh, hallelujah. But God's radical about you if you're not saved. While this is about marriage, I'm talking about you who are not saved. You're single if you're not walking with Jesus. I'm, you may be single already, and I pray for you and love you because in a couple Sundays I'm going to speak about being single in this culture. i must to preach to singles. Okay? And how, do single, how, how the, does a single person overcome the temptations of the social media and all the culture and stay and keep themselves pure and find somebody? I'll address it in another sermon. But if you are without Christ, I don't care if you're married or not, you are still single. And you need a Savior. So your head's about and your eyes are closed. You say, Pastor, before I leave today, I want to affirm in my heart and my spirit that I need a Savior and I am single. Because you see, you can still be single and you can wreck your life. You can be single and you can be without commitment, without communication, without out of control. And you never sin without it not affecting somebody else. And Jesus says, I love you and I'll forgive you. Whatever you done last night, whatever you done this past week, if you're willing and if you surrender, I will not hold it against you. I love you and I'll forgive you. Isn't that a great Jesus. Your heads are bowed and your eyes closed. Pastor, as you pray this morning, remember me. I'm not going to ask you to leave the aisle. I'm not going to ask you to come on the aisle. I'm not going to ask you to be a public. I just want to know. I want to know. If there's anybody here that says, I need Christ more than I need a marriage partner. Or, I need Christ in my marriage and he's not in my life. And I need to be saved. Raise up your hands. Hold it up. Hold it up for a moment. I see numbers of hands. Numbers of hands. Put them down. Everybody with your head bowed and eyes closed, repeat this after me. Even though you didn't raise your hand, say it out loud so those who did raise their hand will not feel singled out in a spectacle. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being the Lord of a second chance. And today I want my second chance. And for me, it may be my tenth time. But let it take this time. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of knowing what is right and yet doing what is wrong. I confess in the name of Jesus that He is the Son of God. And today, I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be Lord of my whole life. Forgive me of every sin, everything I've done. Whether I've done it willfully or otherwise. Help me, Jesus, if I've done somebody wrong, to go back and to make it right. Today begins the best day of my life. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Come prayer team. Come forward prayer team. Come on, everybody give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. We're going to sing a song here. But the prayer team is coming forward. Start start singing. Raise your hands to Him. If you need prayer for healing, for your marriage, for money, for your children, for a job, come.
1: If not, raise your hands.
0: Sing before we leave. I'm Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.